Well, I want to welcome our entire Pathway Church family, and I'm excited because we're continuing our series, Home Wreckers of the Bible. Now, to me, this sounds a little bit like an episode of Cops or something, doesn't it? When you think about home wreckers. But I'm telling you, the thing about this series that is really amazing is we're going to look into the scriptures, we're going to learn from people who destroyed their lives in many ways, biblical characters who failed just like you and I do. And a lot of times we think about people in the Bible being perfect and clean. Let me tell you, they're not. And that's why we can relate and learn from them. Now, in this series, we're primarily talking about marriage. But for those of you who are single, I don't want you to tune out. Because one thing I've learned is a lot of single people don't stay single. Have you noticed that? And some of you are like, never me again, never me again. And I'm like, I've heard that a hundred times, maybe you again. But if you're in a dating relationship or really any type of relationship, all of these principles that we're going to talk about, they apply to us because relationships really are the same. It's just in a marriage relationship, everything is amplified. There's no doubt about that. I think we could all agree. And so today we're going to be talking about the home wrecker of fear. Now, fear drives behavior. We have to understand that. Our fears drive everything about us in many ways. Now, I'm going to share a story with you that illustrates this, but especially for the ladies in this room, I just have to say, I know I think this is a safe place, but you're going to judge me, okay? You're going to judge me. Now, you might think, no, I'm not. I'm like, yes, you are. All right, so don't throw anything. Don't get mad. Just hang with me. It's got a purpose. And so this goes back to when my wife Jenny and I started dating. Now, I knew nothing, and you're about to see why, okay? I knew nothing. Now, before I started dating Jenny, I had an amazing group of friends who we would go hunting together. Now, if you know me, Hunting is like breathing air. It's a necessity, all right? I love the outdoors. I love being out there with my friends. And so what I noticed is when anytime my friends would get a girlfriend, all of a sudden they couldn't go hunting anymore. Like they just vanished. You would text them. You'd call them. They're like, oh, I'll have to ask. I don't think I can go. These kinds of things. I watched this happen over and over. I was losing my hunting crew. And so what I decided to do was whenever I would start dating seriously to find my wife, I wasn't going to let that happen to me. And so I met this five foot two brunette, beautiful. And I just remember in my mind, she is not going to take over my life. She's not going to take over my life. All right. She's not going to take over my life. So I start I start dating her, and I said this out loud. Is I said, well, there's something you have to know about me. Is I go hunting and I don't stop, you're just going to have to get used to it. You're going to just have to get used to it. If you want to be with me, this is how I am. You're judging me a little bit, aren't you? I, I can feel it. I can feel the judgment. You see, what I was afraid of was that she was going to win and I was going to lose. You know, when you think about relationships, that's generally how we think about them is there's winners and losers. 
in every relationship, but especially in marriage, in our dating relationships, we think about this winning and losing dynamic, and we don't want to be cut out. We don't want the other person to get their way all the time. We want to win. Now, if you thought this, you're not evil, you're human. I may have been a little evil, I don't know. Now, the shocking thing about this is I think this really was a part of everything. As I, as we were dating, I was thinking about this constantly, is how do I win? And what I discovered was that I was driven by something. I discovered that I am driven by what I'm going to call me fear. Now, you see, me fear has to do with my wants, my desires, and thinking that this other person is going to take them from me. And so I do everything that I can in a relationship so that I can win and not lose. Now, this is not healthy. It's definitely not the way of God. But when you look at our culture and you think about the marriage relationships, the relationships around you that have failed, me fear was at the center of them. People were actually afraid that they were losing And then war broke out. That's what happens. Now what's shocking about my story is Jenny actually agreed to marry me. Who's surprised by that? Raise your hands. Everybody, I was shocked as well. Like she went for it. I don't know. And so here's a picture of us on our wedding day. I know you think, who's that young guy there? And my wife looks exactly the same. No, it's not fair. But that was me. Now, as we stepped into marriage, I would love to tell you things changed. But I remember the same dynamic is, especially as we did day-to-day things, I was like, I don't want her. It feels like she's taking over. I don't want her to win. And so I would say weird things, like she would ask me, so when are you going to be home tonight? It could be if I was going out with some friends or I was working. I would say dumb things like, I get home when I want to get home. Now you're really judging me, aren't you? I would say stupid stuff like that. Now, if you drop that in a marriage over and over again like I did, here's what happens. As I came home from work one day, it was about a year into our marriage. Like We've only been married probably really about 11 months. And my wife is crying in the kitchen. And I have no idea what's wrong. And so I asked her, I was like, what's wrong? What's going on? And she says, I don't know if I want to be married to you anymore. You see, that's what happens. It's because I was winning. But I was about to lose. You know, I don't know for you if you've ever been at that pivotal point. Maybe you've even been divorced. You know how gut-wrenching someone saying that to you as your spouse, saying, I don't know if I want to be married to you anymore. You know, this is a gut check. And really, when we get to this point, it is because someone has been driven by me fear in the marriage. You know, you can take that to any relationship. It applies. When me fear drives our relationships, it's about one person winning and one person losing And everybody loses in the end. That's what happens. 
And so I want to ask you today, does me fear drive you? Now, this is something you have to dig deep and be really honest with yourself. And I want you to think about the last fight that you were in. If you're married, it's probably with your spouse. I had one yesterday. What was driving that? You see, someone wanted to win and no one wanted to lose. Isn't that true? And it really comes from me fear. This fear that I will give up something, someone is taking something that matters to me, and I'm not willing to give an inch. You see, it's really fear. And when we explain to ourselves, it's like, okay, I'm afraid, maybe there's actually hope for us learning how to overcome me fear. And as I said, me fear can exist in any relationship. I would say me fear exists in all relationships, especially when they explode. And so today we're going to kind of dig in and we're going to look in the scriptures and we're going to look at the life of Abraham. Now Abraham really is going to be the father of all nations. But the good news for us is he's kind of a mess up because we can relate to that and we can learn how to grow. And me fear inflicts Abraham. Now, as we kind of dig into this, at the heart of me fear, we have to understand is selfishness. Now, I do believe that we're in a pandemic now after the other pandemic, a pandemic of selfishness. And selfishness is at the root of me fear because what selfishness is all about is self-preservation. And so we're going to find Abraham in that place. Now in this story, his name is Abram because the story isn't complete and God hasn't given him a new name. So Abram and his wife Sarah find themselves in a challenging place. And we're going to look at Genesis 12 beginning with verse 10. And you can actually open up your Pathway Church app follow along. You can also follow along in your Bible or it'll be up here on the screen. Now Abraham and his wife Sarah, they're forced to go on a journey and the scriptures tell us why. It says they're starting in verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. So you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for the sake, for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarah was very beautiful, was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. Now, in this story, do you see the me-fear? So Abram 
walks into Egypt, and it starts going around in his head, this, this fear. My wife is beautiful. And so isn't this about the craziest thing you've ever heard kind of concocted in a human brain, right? He's like, instead of calling her my wife, she's my sister, and then they won't kill me. Now, here's the thing about this, because you have to kind of read inside the Scripture to understand how drastic this was. Now, Abram is married to Sarah. He says she's his sister. Where does Sarah go? Pharaoh takes her as his own wife. And in the Egyptian culture, women are property, and they are used as sex slaves. That's what happens to Sarah. Do you see how me fear can drive weird and damaging behavior? Do you see it in that scripture? And you know, the sick thing about this scripture is, is that it kind of works as Abram wants it, doesn't it? As Abraham wants it. He, he survives and he's actually rewarded with donkeys and cattle. I mean, that's a big deal where I come from. You get donkeys and cattle. It's a big deal. And so he becomes a rich man through this. But you see, what he's doing is he is damaging his relationship with Sarah. But there's something even greater that he's doing. Me fear has driven him to not trust God. You see, his journey is driven by God. And God says, don't fear, I'm with you. What does he do? He fears that God is not with him, so he comes up with this plan. And it's a bad plan. It's a destructive plan. Now, the interesting thing about this story is as it goes on, we actually see God and the power of God intervene and actually in some way save him. But I would argue it doesn't save him from the consequence of what he's done to Sarah. It says there in Genesis 12, 17, but the Lord inflicted serious disease on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abram, what have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her to be my wife. Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way. And his wife and everything he had. Now, I think for me, as I read this story, and maybe if you're familiar with it, it kind of looks like God just rescues Abraham, and he goes on his way, he's rich, and he's happy. But what about Sarah? Have you thought about her? She's been used and abused. And so now, her and Abraham are like put back together. Can you imagine the awkwardness of that? Can you imagine the destructive nature of that? Can you imagine the consequences that for the rest of their lives they get to live with? And actually what we know about Abraham and Sarah is they have a dysfunctional relationship. Because when they have challenges having a child, what does Sarah do? Is she brings a slave girl and Abraham sleeps with her. Like, this is like Maury Povich stuff, right? This is crazy. 
You see, whenever me fear enters the picture, destruction and chaos enter the, enter the fray. And so we have a hard time dealing with this. And so for us today, we have to understand some things about me fear. And then also understand that fear actually has two sides to it. One very destructive, but there is a fear that actually brings life. So the first thing Abraham shows us is that me fear leads to disaster. You know, we see that in this story. We see this where Abraham is not trusting God for the outcome. He's not trusting that Sarah and I can be husband and wife and God is so powerful that he will solve this problem and fix it. We actually see God intervene and do that in the end, don't we? If Abraham just would have trusted God and not given in to the me fear, he would have been in such a better place. You know, Abraham forgot this truth that we read about in Deuteronomy 31.8. And it says there, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. You see, the scripture is trying to tell us that we can step into who God is. And that scripture is not for the easy times. It is for the famine times when you're walking into the land of Egypt and me fear consumes you. It is to understand that God is with you and there is a way. You know, so many times in our relationships, we give in to me fear and it begins to make sense to us. You know, I met with a man about four months ago and I sat with him and I've known him for years and he looked me straight in the eyes and he said, you know, I've met somebody new and he's married. He goes, I met somebody new and you know, my wife is just not giving me what I need. And so I think God wants me to go into this new relationship. Is that not back crazy? Right? Maybe that's you today. I, it's crazy how me fear drives us to weird behavior. And I began to try to lay out the story. I was like, so you're telling me getting a divorce and probably losing half of what you have and then going to a new relationship where there's no guarantee is going to be easier. It's harder. I mean, I tried to convince him. I go, no. I was like, no, what you have here, it's difficult. But God is with you, and if you'll pour into that, if you won't give in to the me fear, God could do something. It's not easier to go there. But you know, I pled with him, and I just begged him. I was like, don't do it. He's like, I just feel like it's what God wants. And I'm like, I don't think you understand God very well if you think that's what he wants. And so he gave in, and I'm not kidding you, in four weeks he blew everything up. And then the woman that he thought it would be easier, she left him too. You see, whenever we give in to me fear, destruction is what happens. You know, and that's an extreme example but I would even say in my journey, what I shared with you is, well, it wasn't this big, go have an affair kind of me fear, right? 
It was this little stuff, like I'm going to get what I want a little bit more every day. That is just as destructive and honestly leads you to the same destructive place. Now what we can learn from Abraham, and even if we look at this story, is there's actually a clue of a healthy fear. There's a healthy fear, and I call it we fear. Now I was introduced to we fear by my grandpa Elliot when I was like five years old. And I'll never forget it. We're praying at the table for dinner. And he prays this prayer, which sounded weird to me. As he said, God, we are so glad you are with us. God, we praise you and worship you. And we fear you. We fear you. Now, I know as I say that, some of you are trying to think about we fear. You're like, I thought Jesus was my best friend. Right? I thought I, had, I didn't have to fear God. I didn't think he was the God who was going to crush me. You're right. But sometimes with that thinking, we actually lose something very powerful. What we lose is that he is God and we are not. You see, sometimes we think we're in the driver's seat. God's in the driver's seat, whether you want to admit it or not today. He's the driver. And so when you think about this we fear, it really is more like a relationship a parent has with the child. That's our relationship. We are not equals with God. He is over us like a parent and a child. And I know some of you struggle with that because it's like, you need to tell my kids that because they feel like we're equals or something. I know mine do as well. But they are under us. They are under us. And for me, it's best illustrated in something that happened to me when I was 17 years old, is I decided it would be a great idea to stay out all night long with my friends. So it was about 4.30 in the morning, and I'm driving down our dirt road, and I thought, my mom's asleep, you know, it's going to be no big deal, I'll sneak in, she won't even know that I'm there. Now my mom is a five foot one brunette and I am afraid of you talk about we fear we fear Carlene Elliott we fear her we fear her now I know she loves me I know she wants what's best for me and that's why that day when I was creeping down that dirt road and I saw the lights of her car turn on and turn down that road to meet me You bet I was me, fear, we, fear, everything, fear. Like the fear was oozing out of me that day. You see, that's how we fear is. It's the fear of God. Like my grandpa prayed is God loves us. God wants what's best for us. He's given us guidance. And so we fear is a filter. Like when I'm about to do something really stupid, I start praying and thinking, you know, in a marriage relationship, there's more than two people. There's God in the middle. And what we begin to think about are the consequences. What would God want? What is wise to do in this situation? How do I die to myself, think about what God wants so that I can serve the other person? You see, that's we fear. It makes you hesitate. It makes you step back. And in Abraham's story, what we see is how powerful God is, is because 
he intervened, right? He made Pharaoh and his entire house diseased. He protected Abraham. You see, God is powerful. God goes before us. And so we have to understand if we invite him into our relationships, is this we fear of God, is that we fear protects us. It protects us. That's why it's there. It's not about guilt and shame and you can't do this just because God wants to play puppet master with you. It's there to protect you. He's there. And so as we buy into the we fear you, Lord, guide us. Help us to understand in our relationships what to do. We begin to understand what Proverbs 1-7 says. It says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Man, I have been that fool. Haven't you been that fool before? Where I've despised wisdom and instruction. I sh- for two years in my marriage, I despised wisdom and instruction. You know, it's something for us to understand that God wants to be in the middle. He wants to be there to guide. He wants to be there to protect. He wants, us to, wants to be there to help us think through the consequences because you and I on our own, we will burn the house down. We really were. Remember this parent-child relationship? You leave your ch- children at home by themselves, what happens? Fires, right? That's what happens in our own lives if we aren't connected to God as we walk along the path. Now, I am grateful that I had a person in my life when I was at that deepest, darkest kind of point when Jenny said, you know, I don't want to be married to you anymore. Is he was a mentor, a guy who taught me how to hunt. And so this was actually out when we were duck hunting one day. And I remember kind of telling him this story. And you know, the crazy thing is I, it got my attention. Like it put me to my knees but I didn't understand it. I didn't understand why she was so unhappy. And a man named Rick Dirks, who was just an amazing person in my life, is I began to tell him like this, and he looked at me and he goes, it sounds like you're kind of being selfish. And I'm just like, that's not very helpful. (laughs) But you know, what he began to lay out for me was he said, you know, you're going to have to trust that Jenny wants what's best for you. And she's going to have to trust that you want what's best for her. And in that interaction, God is in the middle. And I was like, I don't know. Like, you know, today I'm thinking some of you, as I even talk about this, you're like, I don't know if I can trust the other person. You know, there's a good descriptor for that in the Bible, and it's called faith. And it's not faith in the other person, it's faith in God. You know, as I think about that conversation I had with him, and then I was in a desperate place. Because my wife wasn't joking around. She wasn't just trying to get my attention. She was like, I don't know if I want to be married to you anymore. And after that conversation and some conversations with some other wise people, 
I really found myself on my knees just telling her, I'm sorry, point out my faults, I want to change. And you know, the other thing that he told me that day when we were hunting about this, that I hadn't really thought about until yesterday, is he looked at me and said, have you told her how much this means to you and why? You see, that's trust too, isn't it? Because I thought she was operating in the same way I was, that she just wanted to win so that wouldn't do any good. But you see, when we operate in me fear, it's all about us. When we operate in we fear, it's about us and God driving in the middle. Now, I believe there is a key to all of this. As we think about not living in me fear and living in we fear. And the key is found in God being in the middle. You see, me fear is so destructive, and it's what Jesus came to defeat. Because actually, no matter how tough you look, no matter what your life looks like, you're operating in me fear. And there's only one cure for me fear, and that's Jesus himself. In 1 John 4.18, it says this, There is no fear, I added the me, don't be offended, but there is no me fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. You see, the perfect love that that scripture is talking about is not a love that you can find anywhere else. You see, I think that's the lie, is that we think perfect love is going to be found between two people. Man, it's just not true. The best love we have between two people is very imperfect. But you see, perfect love is found in the one who came who was sinless, and that is Jesus. You see, he came, and if you think about the me fear that he was really faced with is every step of his journey he could have got off the path and said I'm not willing to go to the cross and die for these crazy people have you ever thought about that like Jesus saw us and how imperfect we were and he was perfect he didn't have to do what he did and his me fear could have been like this isn't worth it why should I suffer and die for these people But not one time did he think that. Not one time did he give into me fear, but he lived in the we fear. His greatest fear was that you and I would perish. That we would perish without everlasting life found in him. He knew the instructions that his father gave to him. And he had to be obedient and live it out. You see, that's what he lived in every single day of his life. And that's what he calls us as his followers to do. And the beauty is when we accept him, he wants to be in the middle of that. And so today as we close, I just want to pray and ask God to do that. But I have just a little homework. I have to think as we've talked about me fear and even as I shared that Jesus didn't live in me fear. He conquered me fear. That's what he calls you and I to do. 
And so if you're married today, what I'm praying for is there's conversations about the me fear that you're experiencing with the person that you experience it with, and that's your spouse if you're married. If you're not married and you're single, maybe you're in a dating relationship, or maybe it's a friend, that it's like you've been trying to win that relationship as well, and what you're going to do is sit down with them at coffee, and you're going to say, you know what, I'm sorry, I've been operating in this fear. And here it is, this is why it matters to me, I trust God and I trust you. And you see, when those conversations happen like they happen for Jenny and I, Man, God's grace and his love floods your life. Because you see, when God is in the middle and we fear him, God really shows up and does amazing things. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you, God, for today. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters here. God, when we look at our lives, we know that just like Abraham did, that we lived and we have operated in me fear has driven our behaviors. It's driven our mindset. God, I pray that we would confess that to you and God that this week we would turn away from the me fear and embrace the we fear. We fear the Lord. God, we're grateful that you are our heavenly father and you love us and you want what is so good for us. And so God, today I know just like me, there's many in this room that they know there's a conversation they need to have, that there's a change of direction that they need to make in a relationship. You see, what the Bible calls that is repentance, to go a different way. And so today, if that's you, to go the different way, I know from my own experience, is that you need God's help. And so right now, if that's you, and you need God's help to go a different way, I just want you to raise your hand as a sign to him, whether that's in your marriage, whether that's in a different relationship. Raise your hand right now if that's you. Confess that to him. Wow, hands all over. Let me pray for all of you. Father, I thank you, God, for the openness to allow your spirit to work in each and every person here. God, I pray that we would confess, God, that we would be restorers that, God, we would not operate in the fear that we have inside. God, that our relationships would be marked not by winning and losing, but, God, that they would be marked because our relationships look like Jesus. God, I pray that we would live a different way and a new kind of life, and we're grateful that you are in the middle and that you are with us. God, I also know today that there's many in this room and many watching this that they have never experienced the freedom and the forgiveness that is only found in the perfect love of Jesus that chases away fear. I know today that there's a lot of things in our world to be afraid of. There's a lot of situations where you feel like you're going to lose and there's only one person who can chase the fear away and that is Jesus himself. Jesus came to forgive you. He came to give you new life and so that you would not have to fear any longer. And so today, if you would like to step into that relationship with Jesus, I just want to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me in the quietness of your heart. Father, I know that I have fallen short 
and my sin and my shame and my guilt and my fear has separated me from you. But today, Jesus, I lay those things down and I grab hold of the grace and the forgiveness that you offer me through your perfect sacrifice that you made on the cross so that all my sins would be forgiven and I would be free. And today, Jesus, I choose to follow you and live the life that is truly life that is only found in you. Now, with everybody's head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I just want to invite you to be bold right now and declare that decision to God by simply raising your hand and so that I can pray for the decision that you made. Raise your hand right now if you pray that prayer for the very first time. Raise your hand right now. No matter where you're at, raise your hand. Awesome. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, God, for those who have stepped into a new relationship with you today. God, I pray that your spirit would take captive of the fear that is inside of them. God, I pray that your spirit would lead them now into a new kind of life, a new way that is only found in you. God, we are grateful that we don't have to be held captive by our fear any longer because Jesus came. God, we pray all of this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.